This hot, this the spot, there it is, pod.com. We're interviewing the best comedians, so tune in quick and get your ears receiving them. We're talking about life and life to stream right to you from the microphone right to your home, dude. Side note, this might get embarrassing, but no, don't sweat, yo, because there it is. There it is, podcast, a comedy podcast to help you find your inspiration. I'm your host, Jason Farr. Let's do this. Very excited to be doing this show today. Not only is it the first time in a while that we have done a comedy shop talk, it is also a return to the podcast of one girlfriend of the show, Justina Sparling. Hello. Oh, you can't be that loud. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yes, thanks for having us. I don't know, um, when the accent started, but it's been here for a little bit, y'all, so. Also, he said, thanks for having us. Newsflash, this is my podcast now, and Jason is the guest on my show, and I'm having him. I did say that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to do too much at once. See, when you're the producer. Oh, my God. And the host. And the engineer. Okay. Then you got too much on your plate, mm-hmm. and you make mistakes. Um, but you know, anyway, thanks for having us. Okay, uh, to <laughs> listeners, thanks for having us in your ears. <laughs> we're gonna talk some comedy shop talk today. We have a few topics, and we're gonna start with this one. Uh, it's something I was talking about recently, not on the podcast, but just in my private life with uh, friends because uh, I'm connected to a lot of. People who do comedy, and I was commenting on Facebook that I feel like a lot of comedy either feels too safe um, or deliberately or carelessly mean-spirited or like deliberately performative. Um, Just to sort of explain what I mean, uh, some stuff, I would say not a lot, but some stuff uh, unless it's like maybe an individual putting stuff out on social media, but heavily produced stuff, it's rare. But th- this is the category where you have people who are being performative. You might see more of that on Twitter than on like TBS or Comedy Central. But nevertheless, like I feel like that kind of stuff is out there. I feel like it's pandering. And then the stuff, you know, you know the stuff that's mean-spirited. I feel like Bill Maher is mean-spirited. Bill Maher. Oh, yes. You said Bill Maher, and I thought Bill Burr. Oh, yeah, but I don't, you know, he's... No, no, no. Um, maybe when he's doing a show in, like, Detroit, he's mean-spirited. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, I, I feel like B- Bill Maher is more like, I don't know, like, just pointing and screaming at kids or something like that. <laughs> screaming is too strong of a term, but that, that seems mean-spirited. Who's that guy who has a talk show on... Fox News, uh, Greg Grunberg or something like that. I don't know. That guy, there was a clip that was making the rounds and everyone was like, this is supposed to be comedy. And I watched as much as of that clip as I could. And he, he takes some like needless dig at Michelle Obama in it. And when it comes to political humor, especially on social media, there's a lot of stuff that seems more about being mean than about being funny. <laughs> yeah, like um, so-and-so destroys so-and-so. Yeah, yeah. So-and-so 
obliterates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think so and so Armageddon's. <laughs> I think people learned the wrong lesson from the Daily Show when John Stewart was on. Yes, that's such a good point. Because yeah. I feel like so much of what he was doing was saying, "Okay, we're going to make these jokes about these politicians. That can get dicey because we could have some Republicans watching." But they always did a good job of making it fair to be harsh about somebody. Like right. when they show Mitch McConnell saying something that's trying to obstruct Obama, and then they show a clip of him years prior doing the exact opposite or saying the exact opposite when it's beneficial to his party, I feel like that is deserving of mockery. So when John Stewart would do that kind of stuff, he also like showed the receipts for why it was fair. But I don't think people really show the receipts now. Now it's just sort of like, this is that person we don't like, so let's all bash them. Yeah. Or this person represents something to me because I disagreed with this one thing they said, so let's bash them, has now become the norm, especially on Twitter, almost particularly on Twitter. Yeah. Like if Jerry Seinfeld says something you don't agree with, they're just going to bash him and not use a lot of facts. Uh, Right, but they were witty and cute, (laughs) and so... Just like Jon Stewart was witty, you know? Mm-hmm, They're like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this was witty, he was witty, we destroyed. Just like Jon Stewart. Yeah, I feel like, like yeah, like, yeah. They value the wittiness over actual data. Yeah, or it's like, I think I talked about this with you before on the podcast, about how the late show writers pack it when they were asking for submissions. They were saying, be sure that you have a joke and that it's not just attitudinal. Right. And I think there's a lot of attitudinal stuff out yeah. there because people are mad for valid reasons. And they may not have liked whatever it was Jerry Seinfeld said about feeling like there's a weird political correctness thing going on. But making him just this guy that he isn't so you can justify being so harsh on him doesn't really add up for me. And there's like other examples, but I'm just saying when you have to sort of... I. I bring him up because I saw someone uh, misquote one of his jokes wildly out of context, but also like completely changing what he said. And it painted a picture of him being like misogynist, even though he wasn't even remotely talking about women and they bashed him for it. And it's like, okay, well you're lying about what he said. Yeah. Uh, so you can bash him because you disagree with what he said about playing colleges now, which wasn't even that, offensive of a comment. (laughs) Um, So that's the sort of thing I'm talking about where somebody is deliberately bashing somebody, just like Grunberg making that needless hit on Michelle Obama. She hasn't really done anything (laughs) that warrants hatred from people, but you're supposed to hate her if you're a conservative, quote unquote, so bash her. I was like, well, that just seems mean-spirited to me, and I don't like it. And that, But that feels like a lot of comedy. And then the stuff that feels safe, I think a lot of people feel like they're under a microscope now. Yeah. Because in some cases they are. Um, I don't know if I, I don't recall if I mentioned this on the podcast, but a little over a year ago I was going to, I, I was picked to be in a project and I had to get a background check. And I thought it was just going to be like, background check, does he have a record? Mm. <laughs> 
<laughs> there was a criminal record doing really bad things. And uh, it was not that. I mean, it was partly that, but it was mostly what does he put on social media? And I saw the report that this third party put together, and it was all this stuff, it was all flagged as potentially controversial. And a lot of it was mind-blowing that they thought it was potentially controversial. Like, there was a a picture of my swollen, sprained ankle on Instagram, and it was a picture of my foot that's not hurt next to the foot that is hurt, and they flagged that as potentially controversial. So I can't imagine I'm the only person who went through an experience like that, especially if they're working for a network. Oh, yeah. And I mean, like, history has proven, recent history has proven that um, those Twitter detectives exist. <laughs> we'll find, they will they find. They will find stuff, you know? yeah. So it's, um, and you know, like there's some cases where it's like, I get why this person is getting uh, bashed or, or like called out because they said something that was legitimately racist. But there are also people who will take something like Ariana Grande's Tumblr from when she was, 14 or something like that or, or 12 right. and she's reposting it's not even her own yeah, thoughts Tumblr's just you reposting. Right. yeah mostly and she reposted all these things that other people had said and done and one of them was a Chappelle show sketch where the n-word was used and people were actually like it seemed like they were deciding to take the stance that she was wrong and this was so inappropriate and it's like it was a sketch that someone else wrote and started and produced and put out, and she's just sharing the sketch. No, it's wild. And it, I think it's like, it just goes to show, like, if you can get dragged for something you did when you were 14 <laughs> to 19, 20, 21 is still very young to me. Mm-hmm. If you can get dragged for something you did in your very young years... Why would you put yourself out there in your 30s? Right. I no, mean, you're like, obviously like, going to be super careful. If you, if you can't be forgiven for something you did when you were 17, mm-hmm. you will be destroyed mm-hmm. and never forgiven for something you did when you were 35. Right. You it, can't make mess up. You can't ever mess up. I remember when, uh, what's her name? I can't believe I'm just I'm saying, what's her name? I can see her face. Sarah. Redhead. From the, she got real big in the early 2000s. Um. Uh, parent Trap. Uh, Lindsay? Lohan? Yeah. I remember... I call her Lindsay. <laughs> Love her. I can't believe I brain farted on her name. But when Lindsay Lohan got big, I remember someone asking George Clooney about the way the public eye was sort of judgy to her. And he was like, boy, am I glad there weren't all these cameras when I was 18. Seriously? <laughs> you know, because we were all fucking idiots when we were 18. We all did something that... We would cringe if we read that diary post or, or diary post. Oh, I'm so modern. I'm so young and I'm so used to the internet that uh, diary post is the way it is. Yeah. No, no, but that like journal entry or whatever. Uh, it's insane that like people can get hit that for something they did when they were a kid when we all did things as a kid that we would regret now. Fine if you want to ask someone to address it to see where they are now, but just trying to take somebody down is kind of strange. 
But do you hear about this kid who was on uh, American Idol who just left because of an old video controversy? No. I don't watch the show. Some kid on there <laughs> decided to leave the show because there was a, a social media post from like Snapchat um, that was like, so like him with someone who was dressed up as a KKK member. And they said, when I saw the headline, it was like, from video when he was 12. And I was like, really? We're going to go back to when a person was 12? Wow. But then I looked at the kids like 16, so it was four years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, never mind, never mind. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> that's just funny to me. It still, it still stands within reason to say, if somebody was a teenager, when the thing blows up and everyone says like, oh, that was inappropriate... Let's address it from the standpoint of, hey, where are you at now on this? Like, do you understand this? Do you understand that? And in some cases, that's more necessary than others, like the Teen Vogue situation. Um, Yeah, she was like a high school student when she said that stuff. And I think they were like legitimately inappropriate and anti-Asian sentiments. But given the fact that it was so long ago, I would be more curious to know where your head's at now. And I think that's what needs to be investigated. And uh, people who are on staff are demanding that she not work there, she not have that role. And then it came out that one of the people who was vocal about her not getting there had said the N-word a bunch on Twitter. And she's like half Filipino and half Irish, so it's like definitely someone who shouldn't be saying it uh, the way she was using it. She was using it intraracially, like the way black people yeah. use it with, uh, with with how we use it. And how I've come to use it since oh my we've God. become a couple. Canceled. <laughs> <laughs> I don't use it. No, she does not. But my point is, there's no one who doesn't have something in their closet. And I feel like we need to address things. That's appropriate, but the desire to just end someone's career uh, over certain things, obviously, if we're talking about criminal activity, and I think racial or any sort of bigotry needs to, it's a much more sensitive matter, matter needs to be addressed uh, more thoroughly and more seriously. Uh, and in a lot of those cases, yeah, I get why the person's no longer in the public eye or as big as they once were or, or whatever. But um, there are a lot of times where I, I see something and I think, ah, that, if, if my tweets that were pretty tame could be flagged as potentially controversial, then I think anyone's could. Also, another thing, it's long ago, not necessarily for you, but just like when we're flagging these things and finding things. Also, Twitter is not high art. No, so if you yeah, get punished around, for yeah. mistakes that you make on what Dave Chappelle, what Dave Chappelle calls a bathroom wall, yeah. imagine how, pay, how punished you will be if you make it on a bigger stage. Yeah, yeah. And that's all, yeah, exactly. And that's... That's the point when I say, like, stuff feels safe. I think it's because people know that there's something that could be taken out of context or misconstrued or if it's misunderstood too much. So I feel like there is some comedy that comes from, a pl- like, particularly maybe people who like to push the envelope. I don't know if they're pushing the envelope as hard, and it feels like they're being awfully safe 
about towing the line or just staying so far from the line. And it feels really weird and toothless. And to me, comedy is really loose and fun and, and has a lot of spontaneity. But when someone's being safe, like deliberately from a scared place, then uh, it's not fun. It's not loose. It doesn't have any spontaneity. So I think we're, there needs to be some kind of readjustment. Maybe don't worry so much uh, because people do weather some of these storms. And you know, you know if you're coming from a good place or not. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd be really interested to hear more thoughts on something like that from a Sarah Silverman who has really, uh, adopted a lot of new approaches to life and comedy and, and, uh, has really uh, adapted to the, the new world we live in. But we also know that she's got a bunch of stuff in her, <laughs> in her catalog of work that's, scene is like incredibly offensive so uh, i'd just be interested to hear more of what someone like her has to say about that but all of these things have left me thinking what comedy is loose and fun and uh we've seen some of it yeah um i think that a lot of it and I am a, you know, self-affirmed, self-proclaimed, self-proclaimed uh, TikTok addict. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love TikTok. You have deleted it from your phone yes. several times. Every every once in a while, delete it and mm-hmm. do a cleanse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I see some of the silliest stuff on TikTok. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. More silly than I see on shows. Mm-hmm. I won't say more silly than I see on live shows because, honestly, I haven't seen a live show in about a year. More than. You know, so yeah. I, I, I'll, I'm interested to see. Um what it will be like when we go back. But I I find the the silly bits on TikTok are little pockets of joy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, you bring up a good point. TikTok is, a lot of it is spontaneous. And it's because it's a mm-hmm. lot of it is happening. The really good stuff is happening in the moment. And uh, it's either someone doing a prank or something happened and they are capturing it as it happens and, and laughing about it. And then they can sort of edit later with a sound or something to make that a little more fun. And I think there is something really pure about that. Yeah. Even though there's a lot of TikTok that I hate, um, there's <laughs> the stuff that you send me for the most part I really enjoy and it it has that spontaneity and that fun, and that is thinking about live shows. Um, that is kind of what we're supposed to be doing in improv, but it's so hard to be that spontaneous sometimes uh, and on the fly because not just because you're worried about maybe saying the wrong thing, but also you're purposefully performing. Uh huh. And you can get in your head you or get, get nervous. Head. But TikTok is just people living their lives, right. doing bits with mm-hmm. their friends. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that will have an impact on improv or if it will have an impact on improv at all. Yeah, I um I think about that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just here, I was listening to this interview today. I guess it was this week's episode of a podcast called Smartless, which is Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes, and they interviewed Tina Fey. So I was like, oh, I got to hear this. And um, it was really good, and they were mentioning in that that there are uh, 
a bunch of TikTokers who are trying to get on television, but people who've been in television for a while uh, know that the money isn't necessarily there, and they're trying to get big on TikTok, <laughs> trying to have like a big following on TikTok. Oh, that's funny. Um, so it is, <laughs> I wonder what, how that's all going to work itself out as time goes on. But one thing they mention in that, speaking of this subject, this, this particular topic of what's out there that's fun, they were mentioning, because Jason Bateman was like, you know how they used to make films that were like a Neil Simon play adapted into a film? And they pointed out they're not making movies like that anymore. They're not, Hollywood is not making movies like that. It, they even flat out said Hollywood would not make a Rushmore right now and put it in the theater. Right. And I think they're right. Yeah. They would probably put it on Netflix. Yeah. That was their guess. It was like that sort of thing would end up on Netflix, which is fine. But those movies are, especially the later Wes Anderson movies, are so visual that I would I would like to see them on the big screen. Right. But nevertheless, I think that kind of speaks to why I feel like there's this big hole, there's this big gap in the comedy that's out. Um, there's not as much of a certain style. It seems like a lot of comedies, like action comedy, like Spider-Man movie or Deadpool, or um, it's a romantic comedy that's on on Netflix, and that's what they're po- pushing a lot. I'm not seeing a, a lot of. You, so you're saying the gap? You're seeing the gap is in silly, silly comedies? No, I just mean um, the variety of like stuff like. Tropic Thunder, or The Jerk, or Three Amigos, or Men in Tights, or stuff like Rushmore, like they were mentioning. Like, the, like a lot of those kind of movies they're not necessarily making, except for Tropic Thunder. So what are those kind of movies to you? They're not silly comedies. They are... They're all, kind, they're all different kinds of comedies. Some are silly. Some are not. You know, they're just different kinds of comedies. So your point is that comedies are not being made so much anymore? That only, like, two kinds are more often made. Mm. Because the action comedy thing is pretty big in the MCU. Right. So there are a handful of them there. And uh, then there are a lot of romantic comedies, like Always Be My Maybe or something like that. Which are, like, fine. I like those movies. But I also want to see Swingers. I want to see a movie like that again. Yeah. A new one, you know? But I don't know where those are. I don't know where they're coming from. Yeah. They're, I, they are rarer. I, rarer. Record me for a TikTok. Record me for a TikTok right now. I We watched Eurovision the other day. That was pretty silly. Yeah, Eurovision. But like... There were so many movies like that in the early 2000s. Right. No, no, no. 100%. Um, but yeah, yeah, we liked that. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Um, and we just saw Barb and Star go to Del Mar, and I really Fist enjoyed that. Del Mar, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. And that was fun and um, funny and silly, wild. Um, I feel like there was something else. And then there's shows. Like Ted Lasso, I think, is maybe bringing a thing back. Yes. But that was like sentimental comedy. Still a comedy, but mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of feels. It was very much like, I feel like, uplifting. I actually just saw Lisa Marie, who I interviewed, at X, Lisa X on Twitter. If you remember that episode, guest. <laughs> she had just tweeted earlier today 
what is an uplifting comedy that's not Ted Lasso? We've already watched that twice. I kind of want to know what people are saying. Oh, you know what was what else was good was Palm Springs. Oh, that was lovely. Yeah, I thought that was great. So enjoyable. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. that was great. Um, yeah, but I do have to scratch um my head to think of some. You know. Yeah, and that's that's weird for me. Yeah, it's just like. I don't know. I don't think it's the comedy golden age right now. <laughs> it's a, and, and things like Ebb and Flow. I mean, look, I'm really happy that movies like Judas and the Black Messiah are getting made. Like that. Right. There was a time when that wasn't really happening. Yes. And now that's happening in a big way right now. And I, I love that. This era is taking care of drama, but uh, it does seem like it's all uh, big franchise movies Dramas and a couple of comedies. And I want more, like, variety in my comedy. That's yeah. what it is. I want more variety in my comedy. I want it to be loose. I want it to be fun. And I don't want it to be mean. <laughs> Everything's mean. Uh, I'm tired of it. Speaking of comedy and wanting things to be loose and fun and back, we are getting back to live shows in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stand-up comedy places have come back already and like uh, the seller is doing shows and blah 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 you know all the names uh but now it's like live theater shows uh that still need like improv theaters close to coming back i'm not sure if it can publicly be mentioned so i won't say any details any specifics i think they are actually publicly announcing this but just in case they're not i'll just say we got some nice news <laughs> from Magnet. It sounds like uh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel there. And um, I'm super excited about returning to that. How are you feeling about post-COVID comedy life? Oh my gosh, I I can't wait to to experience it. I'm really happy that we're up here to be a part of post-COVID comedy in New York. If I can like make the podcast about me. You know, I'm just, like, interested to see, like, how my priorities have shifted, if I will like improv as much, if I will like it more than I did, less than I did. I don't know, you know, because I haven't done it for more than a year. Not, yeah, I mean, we've mm. done the online shows, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But I think it's different, and mm-hmm. um, it's hard work to do comedy in um, New York. And I'm not just talking about in the traditional sense. I mean, like, literally, I carry a heavy bag to work, and then I take that heavy bag to an improv theater. (laughs) Then I warm up outside and smell trash. And then I go inside and I perform and maybe I get a good line in a show. And then I leave and I take an hour train to get home. Yeah. It's hard to do. And it's fine. But a lot of that's your own fault, right? I mean, you don't you didn't have to go to the gym no, with your but, big bag. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. But all I'm saying is like I just want in everything, comedy aside, like I want mm-hmm. everything that I do post COVID to be very intentional, very mm-hmm. worth it. And, and simpler, maybe? Definitely simpler. And it just will be. It just will be. It just will be. It's, there's definitely gonna be an adjustment period and I don't know how that's going to look and I don't know what we're going to adjust to like I don't know what the end game is going to be um I feel like corporate life might have a better bead on how things are going to be later um at least it seems like a lot of people think less 
less days in the office. Um, that seems to be what everyone thinks is going to happen in the office world. Not really sure if that's what's how it's going to end up being, but we'll see. Things yeah. I do think I, I do think things need to change there. But as far as like comedy, uh, I think stand up is going to go back to operating like they did before. Uh, once they can do full capacity and and do lineups, I don't really think they're going to change. They don't want to do shows online. They hated doing that. They want to be in a club on a stage, but that's like a boat that's not broken. So why fix it? Um, but I I think there are some cultural things that need to change in stand up that I don't know. I just don't know if they're going to change. I mean, there is a comic who's kind of famous, not super duper famous. He was accused of rape, and um, he's, like, doing shows. He's, like, touring and doing shows, and he's uh, got a podcast again, and he's, uh, he's getting interviewed on other things and talking about it in this really reductive way, which, like, I don't know. I'm, t- I'm so tired of, like, bros uh, uh, supporting and backing up their... Uh, fellow bros who've been accused of rape and uh, not addressing it and not holding anyone accountable. Like, I'm just really tired of that. But that's what I'm seeing. And so I'm like, well, when's that going to change? But I don't know. Hmm. As soon as this podcast is released. (laughs) When this this episode hits the airwaves, it will change. I mean, I don't want to be performative because I was complaining about that earlier, but it does seem weird. I don't know. I just keep seeing these guys who get accused of stuff and they'll be like, oh, I got canceled. And I'm like, no, man, you were fully accused of rape by a cast member. Like, what are you talking about? I don't know. Guys aren't held accountable enough for that. Um, and then it's like it happens in one big way to like Bill Cosby or uh, Harvey Weinstein, but like no one else. Hmm. And it's weird. And the people are just having them at their comedy shows, having them at their comedy clubs. Like everything's normal. Anyway, I don't want to talk about those guys. <laughs> they don't need more uh, discussion on a podcast. To get it back to something that's happier, I do wonder what's going to happen in the improv world, especially in New York, considering a couple of the big ones ended, uh, it seems. I mean, I don't know. The pit maybe didn't end, but they closed their... Their big location, I think. Right. I don't know. And it was a big location. I really liked that theater a lot. Great bar. Yeah, it was an awesome space. Yeah, such a nice space. It's really a shame that... They closed it. I wonder if they'll get it back, but who knows? Um, I kind of feel like real estate in New York is just insane, and it's untenable. And um, no, none of the powers that be seem to care. Um, and it just, I don't know, who, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, but I don't think the pit's gone, gone. But that looks, yeah. I think they'll do something. Because they still have the loft, right? As I understand, yes. They'll get some of it. Which is space, also a great I'm space. Sure. Man, the pit owned great spaces in yeah, New York. Yeah, they really did. They really they nailed um, that down. And I really don't know if UCB is going to even try to come back. Who knows? Some I heard a lot of speculation of like, ah, I don't think so. I don't think they care. So I don't know what's going to happen. And then there's a new theater coming up out of 
out of the ashes of UCB closing in New York. Um, it's the Squirrel Theater. Yeah. Um, and then there's still like the Tank and the, the Brooklyn Comedy Collective and, um, yeah. you know, a couple other smaller places in the Magnet. So I just wonder what's going to happen. I wonder how people are going to adapt. Uh, I think a lot of people are like, I want to do this more. And I think a lot of people are like, I want to do this a little differently and or less than what I did before. Because I, I got used to not doing practices every week. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. That one, that one I don't know where the, uh, the vibe is heading. I, I feel like corporate world, we know where the vibe's heading. I have no idea where it's heading. With yeah. This. That's why it's exciting to be here to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Now, you had, uh, uh, let's end with this. Uh, let's, I curated something. Yes. So this is how we'll create something together. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wish you would support me in my TikTok. <laughs> and my TikTok is not creating TikToks. So my TikTok like, is watching TikToks. If you are wondering why she said that, it's because about eight times a day, Justine will ask me if we can watch the TikTok she sent me. <laughs> And I'm always uh, going to do something else. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I guess I'll... The thing is, the thing is there's always <laughs> time to watch TikToks. No matter, no matter what you're about to do, you have one minute of time. I know, but... The other thing is that... I spent the time mm-hmm. curating these, picking these out. And you want to share out, them with me. And I, know, I, I sent you the one specifically, not that I loved, but that I knew that you would appreciate. That's true, and that's I sent true. them to you. Mm-hmm. And finally, <laughs> it is most certainly not eight times a day. <laughs> Sometimes I wait until like two or three o'clock that's before true. I come in that's and true. ask. But I can just sense it anytime I walk through the room that you're like, I'm sorry, that, that really must suck for you to have somebody who loves you this much. <laughs> no, 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 it's wonderful. I'm actually just kidding because you are just trying to, like, not only make me laugh. But maybe share with you things. Share Grow with something. you as a right, couple. Right, right. And laugh with me about something. Um, so, and, and I generally, I think 99% of the videos I like. Um, so, you know. I, I don't have a problem with seeing them. Here's the problem that I have, and it's a me problem. As soon as I open up, pull up my phone, I open up TikTok. When I'm done and you walk away, because we're done with TikTok, then I'm like, well, well I'm here. Let me just see what's oh, on Twitter. Oh, you have your phone up. Right. I'm like, I'm here. There, the solution there is to give me your unlocked phone, so that and I take it away from you. And not only is it away from you, but your unlocked phone is ready for me to look at your messages, this your nothing. inbox. Sure. Then it's no problem for me to look. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're around my phone a lot. Yeah. And uh, I just have it there because I've, I've, I don't have anything to hide. But you're also not the type to like go through it. No, I think that's super weird. And super... There are people who do it, and I've always thought it was super yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, I know there's people that do it. I've seen TikToks about it, honestly. So, <laughs> um, so I think that I can talk mm-hmm. about a few of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Silly, we were talking about how important silly is. Mm-hmm. These are a few of my favorite TikTokers, but I think the best thing is, do you have a written portion of your podcast that you can like... Mm-hmm. 
that you can like write these down? Oh, of course. Yeah, you mean like in the in, in the, the description? description. Or something? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You guys should have seen the way Jason just looked at me like I'm a <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> I just what? How did you word that? You said, "Do I have a written section of the podcast?" Yeah. Yeah, you realize that. <laughs> Of the podcast. Yeah. I, when you said a written thing of the podcast, it was like like a write-in, like a listener's writing in, or like a... I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> what okay. do you mean? So first of all, I just want to say that I really like Gen Z humor, and I think it's mm-hmm. very funny, and mm-hmm. part of the reason I really like that Gen Z sketch that Michael Che wrote, which was like making fun of um, Gen Z and the and, way they talk. And people got pissed about it on Twitter. But I also saw a TikTok by a Gen Z who was yeah. like, oh my gosh, this is so funny. Half of the people who commented on Twitter about it were like, this is funny and I'm going to stop saying sis so much. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but anyway, all that to say, I really like Gen Z humor and I like mm, the way they mm-hmm, talk. Mm-hmm. And most that I see are like making fun of the way they talk. Like they say it like in like, they're like, Tongue-in-cheek about it. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah. So here are a couple of my favorite Gen Zers. Flossie Baby, <laughs> Matt the Person, and Brittany Broski. I would say she's Gen Z. Are yeah, these, for sure. So are their names like at those names you're yes, saying? Yes, the ones okay. that I'm saying are their ats. At mm-hmm. Flossie Baby, at Matt the Person, mm-hmm. at Brittany underscore Broski. Mm-hmm. Um, and some other funny ones. <laughs> Um, party hardest Harderson, party underscore Harderson. She's crazy. She's crazy. She is really cool. And she is, I think, a formerly of UCB and now lives in LA. She's just wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brody Wellmaker. Oh, he's so funny. Mm-hmm. He's great. Uh, Kyle Gordon is great. Kyle Gordon, a former previously guest on, on the, the podcast. podcast. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. He's so funny. And he is very he's just funny. killing it on TikTok. And yeah. it's amazing to see because he's doing really so is. well. Yeah. Um, Yolene Dadong. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> I'm pronouncing it as it's as I see uh-huh, it uh-huh. written. But um, it's Caitlin Hello. She's so funny. She's like the mm-hmm, waspy mm-hmm, mom. Mm-hmm, Karen mm-hmm. Cass. She's of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, she's so funny. And... Um, not Clay is very funny to me. He's kind of weird, but he's funny. And <laughs> oh my gosh, Benny Drama Seven, he's so funny. Huh? He's. I don't like, know if I know Benny. Drama he's 7. the one who's like the hairdresser. Like, what are we gonna do today? And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah, can't yeah. get enough. He makes fun of Shawn Mendes. Maybe he does yeah. the Shawn Mendes impression. That guy is good, but there's something about him that rubs me the wrong way. Oh gosh, I think he is, he is very talented. I think he. Deserves a lot of success. I actually think he is unique and great, but I wouldn't seek it out. Oh, man. <laughs> I do. But anyway, I've gone on long enough about some of my favorites. And I think John Mayer's funny on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> he uh, is. Swifties are going to get me. No, they're not. They're going to get me. Oh, my gosh. They're, they are so hateful and mean. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, certain ones are, but the vast majority of Taylor Swift the uh, fans are they just really like her. They just yeah, they just have like really they feel a lot. Mm-hmm, they're just mm-hmm. young women who feel a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. What are you laughing at? <laughs> this is the way you said it. The way you're in. This is how you're ending sharing your list. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you just, 
<laughs> you just going, mm, um, thanks so much for having me on your podcast. <laughs> I get your 100th time on the podcast. It's literally my 100th time on the podcast, though, to be fair. <laughs> thanks for having me, but it's my 100th time on the podcast. <laughs> there it is. Thanks for being on the podcast for the 100th time. You're welcome. Girlfriend of the show. I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this episode. We had a good time doing it, right? Yeah. And we have uh, some links in the bio. We have all those TikTokers that Justina mentioned there. And why don't you tell us what comedy you are loving and what mean-spirited comedy to stay away from. Okay, you don't have to do that second part, but follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at There It Is Pod and share with us those things. Also subscribe to our Comedy Lifestyle newsletter and support us if you can. We have a Patreon and a PayPal. Go to thereitispod.com for newsletter and support info. Links all up in that bio. We have a super, super fun guest next week. She offers a lot of really great advice. Go check that out. Until next time, be good to each other. The music for the theme song was created by Neil Brooks. The rap was written and performed by Nick Acevedo. The logo for There It Is was created by Jeff Prater. The There It Is podcast is produced by Jason Farr. (laughs) 